back to the National Football Show, Dan Celio. Doug Williams' son now follows us again on Twitter. Doug was on with us yesterday. You can go over to the Jacob Media Channel, National Football Show Channel, and you can watch it, share it, like it, what have you. And we were talking about our relationship, and if you listen to that interview, you can just hear, I hope, the amount of respect that I have for Doug. And, you know, I posted something there about our relationship at the end, and his his son now follows us. And his son, I believe, played quarterback at Grambling, too, in his father's footsteps. And I think he's a position coach somewhere. I'm not sure where. And I got a lot of nice you know, responses from that. It's funny. I actually had somebody go, Silio, I thought you were a racist. I'm like, yeah, my one of my closest friends is Doug Williams. Yeah, I'm sure Doug's friends with someone like, yeah, right. It just shows you a little bit of what, you know, social media and the narrative that people take out of a bite, an interview, maybe a mistake on the air. I'm not saying I haven't. Look, when you're on the air, as long as I've been, I've been on the air 27 years. And in that time frame, you're going to say things that don't land right. You you just are. Or people are going to misconstrue them in certain ways. It's what the business is. And when you have a slant towards being conservative versus being liberal, people are going to give more people the opportunity when you're a liberal if you make mistakes. Hence, you know, Jimmy Fallon, you know, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, Howard Stern for that matter. Howard was a was off the chain. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's like, you know, everybody's buddy. And he was ripping gays and everybody on the planet. But all of a sudden now, it's like that never existed, right? You can't kind of change how you got to where you were and trying to erase that history. There's a reason he's making $100 million a year now. It's because of who he was back in New York when he was on WNBC. People try to erase that. I made a mistake back in 2012. I said a stupid comment and that's all it was. But in my business, that's what they do. And it's funny. Like if you look at all the people from ice cube to everybody that's been on our show, it's funny how people will dissect it. And you know what? It's not really even the listener. It's people in your business that do that stuff. You know, the fake accounts, the burner accounts and stuff like that, because they don't want anybody else to get ahead. And then let me, let me give you a, for instance, this stuff that's going on with Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor at ESPN is a prime example of that. Look at these two, and now you're throwing Adrian Wojnarowski into this thing too, where all these people are cutthroats. You know, they'll hit you in the knee like a Nancy Kerrigan knee injury from Tanya Harding to get wherever they want to get to when they want to climb up the ladder and they want to advance. And now you're seeing that play out. Get this. Disney is called a massive meeting to try to see what's going on at ESPN. ESPN right now is being run like a frat house. There's no professionalism in that building. You know, you're too concerned about woke. You're too concerned about, you know, BLM. Instead of doing what you do for a living, presenting sports. ESPN, like CNN, has fallen and forgotten to get up and they don't understand why people tune into them. That's why 65% of their audience is gone because people are tuning in and not getting what they walk into the sub shop to get. You know, you're, you're walking in there and you're like, this is not what I want. So it's classic watching ESPN 
go through a lot of pain right now because you know why? They've set themselves up for this. And, and they took Rachel Nichols off the broadcast. It's in her contract that she's involved in it, but they took her off it. It's crazy. I mean, and you're watching this drama. That's better drama than the NBA finals are right now. And it, it's overshadowing it. Even the commissioner, Adam Silver, mentioned it yesterday. He brought this dynamic up. That's a sad state when that's part of the narrative. One of the things you're told when you're a broadcaster, don't be part of the story. That's journalism 101. For the record, I'm not a journalist. I am a broadcaster type personality guy, and I've always said that. I'm not a journalist. I have an opinion. Journalists don't have opinions. Op-ed people, radio hosts have opinions. Okay? Journalists who call themselves journalists and have opinions, they're activists. They're not really journalists. You're not a journalist when you're somebody like Jim Acosta and you're going around using the big lie and every place he goes and he's the personal hitman for Trump. That, that's not a journalist. That's, a, that's an activist. And it's crazy to watch this play out on ESPN during the NBA Finals. All right, let's move on here. So this year, I mean, think of all the accomplishments that Tom Brady has accomplished in his legendary career. Let me throw a number at you that may never, well, there's numerous numbers that Tom Brady will never have approached. He's going to be considered like the Wilt Chamberlain or the Wayne Gretzky of the NFL after a while because, one, he's played so long, and secondly, he's won at such a consistent pace that nobody is even going to broach what he's done. I mean, the second-best quarterback resume-wise, in my opinion, and I'm talking about the modern day, I'm saying it's Montana, and he's still a tunnel away from being in the same conversation with Tom. I mean, Tom's almost doubled him in Super Bowl victories. Joe's got four. He is 4-0. and And Tom's 7-3, and been to 10 of these things. How crazy is that? Brady's been to 10 Super Bowls. Now he's coming up on a magical number, too. 700 total touchdowns. I'll say it again. 700 total touchdowns. Let me get the exact number here. During the regular season, he's got 551, and he's got 83 touchdowns in the postseason. So he's at 664 touchdowns. He's 36 TDs this year away from hitting 700. And with a healthy year and another ex- you know, another expected year of greatness out of Brady, he's going to hit that number. 700 touchdowns. Man, you're never going to see people broach any of the com, you know, the accomplishments that Tom has done. So, here, just off the top of your head, he's the all-time winningest regular season player in NFL history at the position. He's the all-time postseason winner in NFL history. This is winning. He's like 
in the conversation going back and forth now about the all-time touchdown passing guy, yardage, not that those things matter, but man, you, 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 you talk about putting your feet in the sand and making an imprint. He clearly has. You know, I've always said this about Michael Jordan. Jordan scoring titles and all the things that he accomplished, all the all-NBA teams and his impact on the NBA, Jordan's greatest accomplishments were that 70-win basketball team that he was on and also the fact that he was 6-0 and with six finals MVPs. Those are his greatest accomplishments. And then you add the other stuff into the mix, and then you add he's a Hall of Famer. See, I always told everyone when I was broadcasting, we had Kim Camper on with us uh, in the first hour. I always tell people when I was broadcasting down in Miami, Dan Marino's records will be fleeting. You're not going to look at Dan Marino in the same light in 10 years. And it's true. When you look at Dan Marino today with all those records that he had, Numerous people have blown by him. His records are all gone. People look at Dan Marino as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. It's funny. When Dan was in the game, people looked at him in the same conversation with John Elway. Ten years removed from that, people don't look at Dan Marino in the same light as John Elway because John Elway won Super Bowls and was iconic. My point is, records are fleeting. Rings aren't. When you're somebody that has accomplished winning the Holy Grail and you've won championships along with your accomplishments, that's putting the cherry on top of the cake. That's when you people perceive you to be better today than they did back then. We see that all the time. It's funny, isn't it? When you think of Michael Jordan, when that, when that um, 30 for 30 came out, Last Dance, and we were watching that thing, didn't you do this? Man, Jordan's fantastic. He's great. Jordan's legacy and how we perceive Michael Jordan has gotten bigger since his last basketball game, has it not? It's gotten bigger. You think of him in a different light because you have LeBron James in the game and you're going, man, he ain't MJ. Then you drop that documentary and you're like, man, MJ's just, you know, he's just somebody special. Well, that's what we're going to do with Brady. We're going to look at Tom Brady 10 years from now and every human being from the time he retires will be gauged by that guy. And when you start talking about Patrick Mahomes, watch this. When you, when you think of Patrick Mahomes, do you compare him to Tom Brady? Anybody who does is an idiot. This guy's been to two Super Bowls. Jim Plunkett's been to two Super Bowls. You know the difference is? Jim Plunkett won two. Some of you out there are probably saying, who's Jim Plunkett? <laughs> yeah, right. Phil Sims. Went to two Super Bowls. I mean, I could name you numerous guys that have been to two. Yeah, but not the fl- nobody's going to remember the flair. Nobody's, 
Nobody remembers Dan Marino and the impact that he had. You were like, damn, this guy's unbelievable, man. Unless you were somebody associated with the team at the time, today, you think some 25 or 30-year-old kid knows that Dan Marino was a sensational superstar? Unless you YouTube the dude. That's the difference when you have rings and records. When you just have records, that's fleeting. You know, it's funny. I asked Dan Marino this question one time. I said, Dan, what would you rather have, Hall of Fame ring or a Super Bowl ring? You know what he said? Hall of Fame ring. That's all I needed to know about him. Dan was more concerned about filling up a stat sheet and his biography and his legacy than he was about winning. Now, does that mean that Dan wasn't in the profession of winning? No. It just meant that he thought more of his record book he, he kind of was more like a wide receiver playing the quarterback position. And again, it's funny when you say that, people always assume, well, are you saying that he doesn't believe in winning? No. I think every quarterback wants to win. Everyone knows that winning is the ultimate litmus test. Everyone knows that. So, no, I, I, I think he totally wanted to win. But what was more important to him? What was more important to him was – being Dan Marino, the superstar quarterback that threw for a boatload of yards but didn't quite, you know, quite frankly win everything. He only went to one of those games, and Montana blew him out. Better team. You had to debate all that. Sure, okay. You know what's funny? Everybody that always tries to debate Montana because he had Jerry Rice. Let me just put this out there to you. He didn't have Jerry Rice on that first Super Bowl. Could you name me one player offensively? That Joe Montana had in his first Super Bowl. Can you name me one? You can't. Who? Henry Cooper? Freddie Solomon? Those dudes were on that team. Guys, you were like, dude, those guys are just dudes. Right. Montana didn't need Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice needed Montana. Montana won that Super Bowl in Detroit without any of them dudes. John Taylor. Jerry Rice. It was Joe Montana and everyone else and dudes. They didn't really need it. A lot like Brady. Edelman, Amendola, Welker. Those guys are cast-offs. Those guys were lucky to be in the league, but you know what they did? They ran into a dude that wanted to win more than he wanted to fill up his biography. That's what makes him special. That's why that guy's who he is, and that's why Dan Marino is who he is, and it's why we perceive Dan in a different light. You know, I even wonder, 700 touchdowns if he gets to it. It's just something to add on to the legacy. He probably could care less. If those 36 touchdowns, how about this? I, I guarantee you, if he ended up shy of that and he won his eighth Super Bowl, I could guarantee you, he, he would probably go like this. Who cares? How many times did we see Brady go into a football game? He throws for 150-some-odd yards. Fine with him. Brady has to throw for 455 yards. Fine with him. Whatever needed to be done that day to win a ball game, because he knew the winning was going to be how people were going to gauge him. 
Not these records here, 700 TDs. Brady's greatest accomplishments, it's easy. All-time regular season wins, all-time postseason wins, and most Super Bowl wins. Those are his greatest achievements. There's nothing he has done in his career that remotely comes close to those three categories. Regular season wins, most postseason wins, and most Super Bowl wins. What, what, what else do you argue? Well, you know, he had, to, he had a team around him, really? You don't think Peyton Manning had more talent around him in Indianapolis? Really? Edger and James, Marshall Falk, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison. Same offensive line for 10 years. Jeff Saturday. Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator, who was in the building with him for 10 years straight. They set Peyton Manning up to be a massive success in Indy. And I don't know, winning one Super Bowl, you think they under or overachieved? I think they underachieved. Ben Roethlisberger won more. Ben's got more Super Bowls than what Peyton Manning did at Indianapolis. I know he goes on to Denver. He wins another one. I get it. I'm just saying, though, Ben did more at one place than what Peyton did at Indy. And look at all the commodities he had around him. Take a look at this one here, too. When Brady was winning Super Bowls, and everyone always goes, well, you got Randy Moss. No, he didn't win a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. Got the one, but they never won. This guy won Super Bowls with Wes Welker, Troy Brown, Deion Branch, like Brady and Montana. Dudes. Amendola, Edelman, right? One with guys like that, that arguably, if they were on another roster, do you think they even make the ball club? You're probably like, I don't know, man. Right? So 700 TDs sounds great. I wonder if he cares, though. Those three records that he owns, those are the ones that he's always going to be gauged by. Most wins, regular season, postseason, and Super Bowl wins. All right. Hey, UFC 264 this weekend. I am a giant MMA fan. I am a giant UFC fan. I love combat sports. And by the way, if this was around when Big Sills was younger in college, I don't know, man. I, I, I may have jumped into this because I really love it. I really do. And Dustin Poirier is going to be taking on Conor McGregor this weekend at TD Mobile Center there in Las Vegas. And I... I'll tell you this. I, I asked my wife, who's also a gigantic MMA fan and UFC fan. I said, you think Conor's got a shot? She's like, if Conor McGregor shows up and not the rich man Conor McGregor, he has a shot because he can knock people out. And he's one of the absolute greatest promoters in the history of that sport. We'll talk to my friend who is the head of combat sports at Yahoo Sports. He lives in Vegas. He'll be at the fight. And you see him all over the place. Jim Rome show everywhere. Our dear friend Kevin Ioli will join us next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. 
count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Cilio. I am looking forward to UFC 264, and I'll tell you something why that sport has grown to where it is today, and boxing is just fading. You know, we're in a society today that we're like the attention span of a gnat, okay? And sitting around and watching a 12-round championship boxing match with dudes that don't do anything and have no personality it's not going to be a hook for today's sports fan. MMA is quick. There's not a lot of rounds. You've got to do your damage. There's really so much to it that it just fits the millennial of today. Unless you have characters like Ali or you have Tyson or you have, and even Floyd Mayweather, How many people were bored to tears with Floyd Mayweather fights at the end 
watching that guy circle around for 12 rounds, barely hit anybody. They waited too long on the Pacquiao fight, right? Pacquiao Mayweather was a joke. These guys were like the gazers at Caesars. It was so far past its prime that we were all doing this. This fight should have happened three years earlier, and it may have been something, right? I mean, it was just poor timing. But when you have people like the Klitschko brothers and you have Floyd Mayweather, those three people, they drove the boxing industry into the toilet. MMA had a chance to like go in there and seize it, and they did. And the personalities that you have now at UFC, now look, I don't know if they're the same as we've seen in years past. Anderson Silva, one of my favorite fighters of all time, you know, the Gracies and all them guys were fantastic. Tito and all them. I mean, the legendary fighters. St. Pierre. St. Pierre, in my opinion, is one of the greatest fighters, if not the greatest fighter of all time. Guy comes out of retirement and still wins a belt. I mean, he was just sensational. Cormier was great. I always said this, though. You know, Jones was the better fighter. He just had problems getting into the octagon. But what that made was drama. And UFC built off that drama. And you know what else they did? What I love what Dana did was Dana White, the president of USC. Remember what he said when he first started it? Never have chicks fighting in this thing ever. Some of the most iconic fights he's ever had and some of the most iconic promotions he's ever had was with women like Ronda Rousey and now with Amanda Nunez, who, in my opinion, and I'll say this to you, I think Amanda Nunez is the most complete UFC MMA fighter in the history of combat sports. I've interviewed her numerous times. You want to grapple with her? She's Brazilian. She's going to get you on the floor and she's going to choke you out. She's one of the greatest grapplers of all time. You want a boxer? She's going to knock the living piss out of you. There's nothing she can't do. I mean, she destroyed Cyborg. And when you put her in that conversation, like, of some of the greatest of all time. She's in the conversation of one of the 10 greatest fighters in the history of UFC. I mean, there's no getting around it. And when Amanda Nunez steps into the ring, you know this, your chances of winning against her are slim to none. Now, will Father Time eventually end up catching her? It always does. It seemingly does, unless you're Tom Brady. But this weekend, you have a guy in Conor McGregor who, in my opinion, is got the Ali thing. He's not Ali in the ring, but he's Ali in promoting and putting on a fight. Conor McGregor has done for UFC. He's a rock star. He's turned himself. Now, if you look at his record over the last six fights, they're not very good. But when you watch him and you see the kind of drama that goes around these events that he's involved in. I say to you that there's nobody better, in my opinion, on promoting a fight and promoting an event than Conor McGregor. And Dana White knows this. Fighting Dustin Poirier this weekend. Now, do I think he can beat him? I do. But the big question is going to be, is it going to be the billionaire Conor showing up? Or is it going to be the hungry guy who maybe wants to go one last time? You got to remember something, man. And every athlete goes through this. 
And here's where McGregor is. Okay, when you've got a boatload of money in the bank, do you want to get choked out? Who shows up? Well, only guy I could think of to talk to right now is my dear friend, Kevin Ioli, and he is the man that covers combat sports for Yahoo Sports, and he joins us live from Las Vegas, a big fight, UFC 264 this weekend, and he joins us right now. Kevin, how you doing, brother? Good, Big Phils. How are you, my man? All good. I just got through, before I brought you on, Kev, I said this. I asked my wife, funny, she, she, she's giving me the lead into you. I go, you think, she, you, think the, um, you think Connor's got a shot at Dustin Poirier this weekend? She goes, well, if the millionaire or billionaire Connor McGregor doesn't show up and it's the old school Connor McGregor, I do. But if it's the rich Connor McGregor that shows up, he probably gets killed. Is there something to that? She's right. No, she's right. I mean, I think um, you look at it, and the, the big thing is the style that he fights. But the style that he fought in the past when he beat Dustin Poirier the first time, Sills, was was this, that he, he moved, and he, he had great movement. He had great kicks. You know, he wasn't in one place. He created angles uh, that were difficult for people to face. And, of course, he hit hard. He hit and he kicked hard. You know, in the last couple of years, he's taken a, a flat-footed boxing stance. He hasn't moved as much. He's been right in front of people. So he's available to be hit. Um, and, and he was uh, weighing down less on his kicks. So I think there's something to that. But it takes a different level of conditioning to fight the way he fought several years ago, and he hasn't been able to uh, consistently do that. So I think you see now uh, th this training camp, the little clips that he's put out. I'm, I'm about to head out when I get done with you to head to the press conference, and we'll see him uh, today uh, talk about it. But the clips he's put out, it looks like he's really trying to get where he has that elusiveness and that, that movement and that agility that made him so great at the beginning of his career. Kevin, do you agree? Because I heard Dana talking yesterday about this. Do you agree that, okay, look, he sold his, his, his liquor business. You know, he's worth like $300 million now. He's got all this. You think he's in a position now because I don't know if you or anybody else puts him in the top 10 as fighters. Promoters, he's probably, he's got everything that Ali had, but I will, I don't know if we look at him as, you know, the St. Pierre's or, the Anderson Silvas and those kind of guys, a fight like this, he wins this. Does that elevate him? And does that maybe motivate him going out, not only being the, one of the greatest promoters, but also being one of the greatest UFC fighters? Well, you know, if he ended uh, his career today and the fight didn't happen on Saturday, you know, he'd go down as one of the greatest UFC fighters in history and absolutely the number one draw in the sports history. Uh, no question about it. So, I mean, you know, his legacy is secure. You know, all he can do is enhance it. And, I mean, it's just, you know, levels of greatness. You know, it's like how good is Tom Brady with four Super Bowls compared to six Super Bowls, right? I mean, what is the difference? And I think that's kind of where we're at with Conor McGregor. You know, his prime... Uh, so to speak, maybe hasn't been as long as like somebody like a Brady, right? You know, we saw him from like when he got into the UFC in 13 up and up through 16. You know, he was virtually unbeatable in that span. He lost the one fight to Nate Diaz, but really was dominant, beat a lot of good guys, did a lot of amazing things. Now from the, the second half of 16 till now, certainly not the same kind of fighter. You know, after that first Diaz fight, not the same kind of fighter, not the same intensity. And I think it made just a big difference in him. Um, 
but he beats Dustin Poirier. You're beating arguably the second or third best pound for pound fighter in the world. Um, you know, that arguably the best lightweight in the world. That is saying something. And I think that would just enhance his legacy. But I think no matter what happens on, on Saturday, his legacy is set. Kevin, do you think he gets a title shot if he beats Poirier this weekend? Yeah, Dana has been clear about that. And, you know, there are some people who say, oh, what about Justin Gaethje? And, you know, Conor McGregor is ranked fifth in the division. He is by far the number one draw. You know, they, they have a chance to draw two million every time he fights. Uh, I think a million and a half to two million is very doable for them on this. Um, and so when it's close, you know, on the merits, and it is close on the merits, should Gaethje get it or should, uh, or should the winner of this fight get it? Well, if Connor wins, you know, I, I think the fact that he's such a big draw makes him, you know, gives him and breaks the tie for him and gets it. So I have no no doubt in my mind. Dana has said it, and I, and I think it's fair. The winner of this fight should be fighting for the title next. Kevin, I would imagine then that no matter what happens then on Saturday night, that that Nate Diaz three fight is always out there. People, right. will, like you said, I mean, you know, if, if he doesn't win this weekend, you're talking about a guy who's going to get 2 million buys. I mean, no matter who he fights, I'm buying the fight because of him this weekend, not because of Dustin. No disrespect to Dustin. Dustin helps me want to buy that fight because it's a competition in the ring, but it's clearly because it's Conor McGregor. So that third DS fight's always out there for him. Maybe that that's out there for him to make some other money, right? Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, let, let's say he loses and gets knocked out in this fight. You know, there's going to be a lot of people saying the end is at hand for Conor McGregor. No, he's going to turn around and he's going to fight Nate Diaz. They're going to sell a million and a half, two million pay-per-view fives. The world is going to go crazy. There's going to be trash talk like you can't believe, and everybody will be into it. You know, I, I think if he loses this fight, you know, what we may say is that his days as a great fighter are over. He's still a very good fighter. But as a great fighter, and there's a difference, and you know that, um, you know, the, he wouldn't be great anymore, but he's still a very good and entertaining fighter, has the ability to sell tickets, to sell pay-per-views, and a fight with Diaz would be off the hook crazy. Absolutely. I mean, Anderson Silva still sells tickets. I mean, he jumps in the octagon. People buy it here. Give me, give me a grade um, for this UFC 264. I always like to get that as, you know, some type of barometer because, you know, Dana's put on – through the pandemic, I thought he was spectacular yeah. at putting on these events. I mean, of all the commissioners and all the sports, I just think that he just powered through it. And they were so entertaining for all Americans and everybody around the world to watch. Give me a grade what you think of this card. I think this is a B-plus card. You know, I mean, you're, you know, and I. the only reason I say that is, you know, on some of the cards, like if you go uh, the Nate Diaz card uh, last month, you know, you had two title fights and then you had Diaz-Leon Edwards, uh, which could have been the main event, right? So now here on this card, you know, you have Poirier-McGregor, so that's an A-plus fight. You have Gilbert Burns and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, a tremendous fight, uh, very in important in the welterweight division, a stylistically interesting battle. That's like an A fight. Now you come to Greg Hardy and Tai Tuivasa, that's the third fight. Does that fight compare favorably to uh, Nate Diaz against Leon Edwards going in? You know, I don't think so. It's going to be a fun fight, probably going to be a knockout. 
um, you know, but it, it, it's not at that level. So I say it's a solid B plus. They got like uh, on the on the ESPN prelims. Uh, if anybody doesn't buy the pay per view but wants to watch uh, the uh, prelims, uh, Nico Price versus uh, Michael Pajeda, that is going to be crazy, unbelievable, good fight. Um, there, you know, Carlos Condit and Max Griffin should be a pretty good fight. So there's some really you know interesting fights on there. And um, Sean O'Malley, who is a, who who is a rising star, he opens the pay per view and he, he uh, his opponent fell out uh, so he's now fighting uh, Chris Mutino uh, making his UFC debut and Mutino is just a wild guy a good fighter from New England we, you know we haven't seen him at this level of competition yet but a, you know he's a guy like he is opening press conference sales he's out there and he's talking about uh, being in the Hall of Fame, being one of the all-time greatest fighters. Uh, he, he was working in a paint factory, he was working 80-hour weeks, uh, and he decided to quit to commit everything to fighting. And he said he said he guaranteed his fight with O'Malley would be the best fight on the card. So that is a fun, you know, a fun fight too. So I think it's a, a really strong card. You know, not not their best, except that when you go, I have Conor McGregor on the top. Everybody, Everything else flows from that. Let me just ask you here then, with all that you just said, the most intriguing to you, the non-main event. Which which one of these fights are you going to be isolating on going, this could tell me a lot about this particular player here and whether or not this guy ascends here in the rankings of UFC. Well, I think, you know, you look at that Gilbert Burns and uh, Stephen Thompson fight. So Stephen Thompson's one of the rare karate fighters out there. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he was like 60, you know, I think in kickboxing. Um, and then he went into the UFC, and he's just been phenomenal. Uh, he had two title shots. He lost one that a lot of people thought he won, and the other one was a draw against Tyron Woodley. Um, so now he's ranked number four, looking to get uh, a shot at the champion, Kamaru Usman. Usman has fought numbers one, two, and three, and he, but he has not fought Stephen Thompson, who's number four. But in his way is Gilbert Burns, and Gilbert Burns is um, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, just an unbelievable jiu-jitsu player who has developed into a really good striker. And this is going to be fascinating because Thompson is so hard to get off his feet. Um, you know, he looks like he's a guy, like he's a stick, and you should be able to just take him down. But he's very difficult to get off. He has unbelievable kicks. He has really good takedown defense. Uh, you know, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he tends to frustrate guys. I think that fight, there's significance to it. Uh, Burn, Burns told me that he want, you know, he knows that Dana White said the next title shot's going to Colby Covington. Uh, he said, I want to do something so spectacular that I forced Dana to take me instead of Colby. Uh, and Wonder Boy is just, you know, kind of uh, oozing confidence. I think that's going to be an amazing fight. I really think that's one uh, that people will like a lot. Two last questions for you here. We're going to see a full crowd here at the uh, T-Mobile yes. Center? Yeah, there'll be, you know, roughly 20,000. I mean, it doesn't fit quite 20 for uh, MMA, you know, so it'll be in the 19s. But this will be the first fight in Las Vegas that there is a full house. So there, uh, Las Vegas is totally back, uh, and we will see that go. You know, w one last thing on Connor. You know, it, it, you, you've been covering combat sports in that city, God, for decades now. I mean, there was nothing like the Tyson buzz. I mean, yeah. every hotel was filled. I mean... The, the strip was, I lived in Vegas during that time, and man, when it was a Tyson fight, not so much Mayweather and some of these other guys, but it was just electric. Does he have that same kind of juice yeah. in Vegas that, that we he saw does. when Tyson was there? He does. And, you know, your MGM is having a party where they're selling tickets. Uh, it's a viewing party. They're bringing some UFC fighters in to be at the party to entertain the, the fans in between fights that are, that are there. 
Um, it's going to, you know, so the MGM isn't even the host of the fight and they're selling tickets and going to have thousands of people at that event. Um, McGregor certainly has that, you know, and, and, you know, you referenced, uh, when you lived here in the nineties and, and the early part of the two thousands, you know, Mayweather, those Mayweather fights had that kind of electricity later, you know, he, he didn't become big until, you know, the De La Hoya fight in 07, but then from 07 through, uh, the McGregor fight at 10 year period, you know, it, it was crazy to be at his fights, but this is very much like the atmosphere that you would have seen at a Tyson Holyfield fight. Wow, man. That means that place is buzzing, man. That's it's really gonna great. Rocking, man. It's going to be I, rocking. I really, hey, Kevin, thank you so much for doing this. You know how I appreciate our relationship. Thank you so much, brother. I'm looking for that 93 Bucks jersey. I can't find it, though. That's the problem. <laughs> Kev, thank you, brother. Have a great Come time on, for the Stay fight well. this weekend. You bet. That's Kevin Ioli. From Yahoo Sports, he is the lead writer for Combat Sports there for Yahoo. So we'll take a brief time out. We'll hit it back up here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. 
It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Looking forward to UFC 264 this weekend. Dana White, the commissioner of UFC, has done such a great job, man. His opinion of Anthony Fauci and them dudes at the CDC, care less. What did he do? He rented an island. This guy didn't care. That's that's what I tell you, and we opened up the show talking about how Major League Baseball's afraid. The NBA, look at what they're going through. There's more drama between two women that are broadcasters than actually game two tonight. Dana White just went, I don't care. Dana, what about Coach? Co- I don't care. He just cares. His two- Dana cares about two things when it comes to his fighters. Okay, they make weight and they show up on time. That's it. He he could care less. Dude, you know what that reminds me of? John Madden used to have a rule. Show up on time and play like hell. That other stuff is stupid. Dana didn't care. Pandemic. Couple guys that treated that pandemic, dare I say, like a bitch. And I'll tell you, you know how they, you, you know what they did? Watch this. Nick Saban went like this. I don't care if there's a pandemic, a nuclear bomb. I don't care what it is. We're going to win a national championship. And all you other guys out there can complain about this, about that. We're going to win a championship. And they did. Dominated. Okay? And another guy, Tom Brady. I don't care about pandemics. I don't give a crap that I'm on a new team. We're going to win. Win a Super Bowl. Dana said the same. I'm putting my, we're not going idle like these other wormy leagues. We're we're not doing any of that. And I think Americans and people around the world rewarded Dana White with the fact that he barreled through it. He turned out to be right in the end. Because still to this day, the CDC and everybody still don't have their crap together on what is protocol and what not protocol. You still got states in this country that still got their thumb up their ass. Dana's like, I'm not sitting around waiting for people that are like lawmakers to worry about my sport. They can't even get their own crap together. He was right. You think he was going to let people in Washington, D.C. control the narrative of UFC? Never happened. Those people can't get out of their own way anyway. And he was not going to let people who can't make decisions or have half-cocked decisions control his league. So what did Dana do? Held it at his own facility? Rented out an island? Right? (laughs) I mean, I, I, I just admired the guy and what he did. Barreled through it. Didn't care. Many times you hear him drop f bombs when people were asking him questions about COVID. He goes, "I don't effing care what you think." By the way, you know how to get Dana fired up? Ask him about Oscar De La Hoya. 
<laughs> Somebody asked him about Oscar De La Hoya once, and he goes, hey, you see Oscar is going to try to get back in the ring, and Dana White goes, yeah, cocaine costs a lot of money. Coke's a lot of money, man, you know? And when you're an addict like that, you know, I mean, it costs a lot of money. Doesn't shock me. He's got to get, it's probably broke. <laughs> Just bring up Oscar De La Hoya. And <laughs> cost a lot of money. One of the greatest sound bites of all time. He hates that guy. Ugh. So it makes Dana White Dana White, though. Great commissioner. Not afraid. Throws his onions on the table. So it makes that guy spectacular. All right. So a couple more football notes here. Doug Peterson. And I'm I'm efforting him to come on the program the next couple of days. Former head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it, I go, coach, what do you, you know, he goes, well, they're still paying me on my contract. So I really don't have to do anything this year. And plus, it's in my best interest just to sit back and watch the landscape play out. Let's take a look at this, for instance. Where do you think there's going to be openings next year in the NFL? Let's take a look at that. Could there be an opening in New York? I don't think so. I think Judge is maybe secure in there. Okay. I don't know if you're going to bring in Doug Peterson into that environment. So I kind of think that that seat's not really hot. Okay. What about Minnesota? Mike Zimmer. Got to win, man. Got a lot of talent on that football team. Keep an eye out for that. Doug Peterson in the NFC North with that Vikings team. Run the ball with Dalvin Cook. Probably need to change at the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins kind of okay. Right? I mean, that football team's good. They're going to be, and they're better on defense. They have to win. If they have one of those years like they did a year ago where they're flopping around, Mike Zimmer's not going to keep that gig. He's not going to keep that gig. How about this one here? How many more years do you think Bruce Arians has in Tampa? We had Bruce on this program. Bruce goes as long as it's fun. Could you see Bruce Arians kind of bowing out when Brady bows out? What would keep him around? Developing another quarterback like Kyle Trask, the kid they drafted out of Florida? I don't know. Does he want to do that at 69, 70 years of age? Also, how about New England? Everybody's so slam dunk sure that it's going to be Josh McDaniel taking over because McDaniel turned that Colts job down. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did I not see that guy fall all over himself in Denver? Right? I mean, are you sure that's the guy? Wouldn't you, if you're New England, if anything, don't you look at potentially trying to bring Mike Vrabel, a former Patriot himself, and the way that guy plays defense and the way that guy is a cerebral thinker as a head coach? Look at the project that he brought in with Ryan Tannehill, and he turned Ryan Tannehill around. Wouldn't that be somebody more comfortable for you if you knew? And you know Vrabel knows the environment in New England. Josh McDaniel, man, I don't know. I look at Josh McDaniel, 
and I see a substitute teacher. I look at Mike Vrabel. I see a leader. Same thing with – don't kid yourself. Doug Peterson is going to be the hottest commodity for a head coaching candidate that's out there this coming offseason. Him and Eric Bieniemy, okay, are going to be the two top candidates to get a job when it comes to coaching in the NFL next year. Mark my words. Those guys are going to be front and center to be considered for a head coaching position. You know, there's always turnover in this league. Denver's going to be a place that you could see a coaching change. Okay? By the way, I'll say it one more time to you. When you're a coach and you've been around, as long as you've been around, Pete Carroll's going to be 71 years old. How much more are we looking at with that before Pete puts his hand up? You think he's going to coach until he's 75? Man, I don't know. Right? I don't know. Seattle could be a, a spot for him. Doug's going to have a choice of places that he's going to be able to pick to coach. You, you, can, you can bet your – hey, by the way, coach is moving. Sean Payton may be sick and tired of being, being in New England – or, excuse me, in New Orleans. Maybe there's a place that he wants to go where there's a quarterback where he can go for a ready-made fit. Okay. Could you see him in New York eventually? Could you see him in Dallas? Remember, that's where he kind of cut his chops there under Bill Parcells was in Dallas. And Eric leads me to Dallas. Doug Peterson, Cowboys. Mike McCarthy doesn't win a lot of ball games. And Mike McCarthy has another year that he had a year ago. Eventually, you're going to say this about Mike McCarthy. Okay, it was Favre and it was Rodgers in New England. The same way people are starting to whisper in corners, hey, man, you know, Bill didn't really have that great a year this past year. Now, you're going to throw COVID into that conversation for Belichick. But this year, you're gonna, aren't you going to do this with Belichick when you're having conversations about whether or not he turns that program around? Man, it was more – watch this. When we look at that dynamic now between Brady and Belichick in New England, do we not do this now? It was more Brady. Brady goes to a brand new environment and he wins the Super Bowl. I mean, it, there, there's no way other than to look at it that way, right? Before it maybe was 50 50. Now you're looking at 60 40. Some may even say 70 30 that it was Brady in that building. Because you know what you also add in? What was Bill in Cleveland? You were like this. Well, you know, he got fired there too. Was it so that he just ran in to the greatest quarterback in the history of the league? And that's what Mike McCarthy faces in Dallas. Okay? Dude, you had Favre and you had Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like having Michael Jordan on your team. Mike, turn and shoot. Let's go win some championships. I'll get out of your way. All right? Let me get the hell out of your way here. So Doug's going to have a chance. The enemy and him will be leading candidates when it comes to this coming offseason for teams looking for new head football coaches. want to throw this at you, too. I saw Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, make this statement. 
And I think it was even this morning that he made this statement. Ah, the Josh Allen deal will work itself out. Really? The contract extension is going to work itself out. What does that mean? You know what it means? It's code for this. Hey, did you see the Jared Goff and the Carson Wentz deal? Why would I sign a player before his contract is up? Nobody's going to go down that route any longer. Nobody is. And nor should. And, and you know what kills me? I hate talking like somebody in management. I do. But it's common sense. Both those franchises, they jumped the gun on their dudes. They thought they had their guys. They thought their guys were the dudes. And these guys fell all over themselves as they tried to get to a finish line. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. And you don't think both those organizations regret signing those contracts for Wentz and for Jared Goff. You know they do. So if I'm the Bills, why would I go down that line and go, yeah, well, let me give Josh. Hey, does Josh Allen look like he's better than those guys? Yeah. But during that MVP run that Carson Wentz was on, he didn't. I sit and wait. I'll do it in the offseason. All right. Appreciate everybody coming aboard today. Thank you so much. I want to thank my guy, Krause and Cal. Guys do a great job. Big Joe, thank you so much. Don't forget, if you missed any of the show, go over to the Jacob Media channel and like it, share it. We appreciate everybody jumping aboard, like I said, till tomorrow, 4 to 6, Eastern time. I'll catch you on the flip side. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.